Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Laura McGoodwin. Today, we're talking about money again, and this time we're discussing how you can protect your money and that thing that makes you money. (laughs) I'm talking about your career. We're joined by certified financial planner and author of Work Your Money, Not Your Life, Roger Ma, to discuss how we should be responding to what's happening in the market right now, plus his tips on four things that you can do to protect your money right now. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Well, hi, Roger. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lauren. Okay, so let's start with a brief introduction into who you are and your experience in personal finance. Yeah, sure thing. I'm a a certified financial planner and run my own financial planning firm called Life Laid Out. I work with people on an hourly or project basis and most often working with those in their late 20s to mid 40s. And they're typically coming to me to try to make financial sense of some big decision or milestone, such as getting married, planning to buy a house, or planning to have a baby. And you also are an author, so tell them about your book. Yeah, so I have a book called Work Your Money, Not Your Life. I I call it part personal finance and part career planning book because what I found, at least with my own life, is that decisions that you make with your finances can have a huge impact on the types of jobs that you can take and decisions that you, you make with your job can have can have a huge impact on your finances. Yes. And also nobody wants to work nonstop their whole life. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. um, your book is fantastic because it shows you how to get your money to work for you also. So don't worry, everybody. I'll link to that in the show notes. But I want to start with sort of this big question. And I'm asking you to be a little bit of a, a mind reader, I guess. But, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the markets right now. And I, I know many of us, <laughs> including myself, are watching, you know, it does not feel good to watch your retirement accounts, whether it's a 401k, IRA, whatever, go down. So can you talk about like what is happening in the market right now? Why is the market falling? Totally. And I'm with you as well. I don't like to see my portfolio drop. You know, markets are markets are fluid and they go up and they go down on a daily basis. And unfortunately for this year so far, markets have been down. And so I think before getting into the why, it's important to dig into what we mean by the market. And I think typically when you hear about the market in the news, 
they're referring to some stock market index like the S&P 500 or Dow Jones Industrial Average, which tracks you know, some collection of companies. And the S&P 500, even though it's called the S&P 500, I think it tracks a little more than 500 company stocks. And the Dow Jones tracks 30 company stocks. And so you know, all of the companies that make up these indices hopefully generate some amount of profit. And so when investors buy the stock of a company, they're hoping that the stock goes up in price. And it might do so if the company is able to increase its profits either now or in the future. And so if you think about the flip side, if investors expect profits for a company to be lower in the future, then its stock price may go down. And so kind of with that context, going back to your original question, you know, why is the market going down? Well, there's a couple of different things happening broadly that have the effect of potentially decreasing company profits moving forward. And I'd say that's continued inflation, higher interest rates, and just this general uncertainty about the future, whether it's the war in Ukraine or COVID continuing to, to persist. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, I mean, like how should we be processing or really responding to these drops in the market? Because I think at the end of the day, you hear about them, but how you respond and how you act is kind of the, the, the thing that moves the needle for you. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's helpful to remember that the stock market does go up and goes down. But since the, the Great Recession, you know, we've had this unusually long period of time where markets have predominantly moved up. So you kind of forget that markets go down as well. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of crazy. If you just look at the returns from the S&P 500 since 2009, there's only been one losing year. And that was in 2018 when the index lost just 4%. But then when you look at the positive side, the S&P 500 had double digit returns in 10 out of the 13 years since 2008. That's quite a run. So I think if you zoom out a little bit from the recent past to see how much the stock market generally fluctuates from year to year, it could be helpful to give you some context. And so Vanguard had some research and looked at data over nearly 100 years. And what they found is that the U.S. stock market returned 54% to its investors in the best year, but lost 43% in its worst year. So I know it's tough to visualize that as you're listening, but negative 43% to positive 54%. That's a pretty wide range of possible returns from year (laughs) to year. It's huge. But over the long term, the market has had an average annual return of about 10%. And so, you know, I think the key takeaway is if you're invested in the market for the long term, your average annual return looks quite good. But it's not necessarily going to be this smooth ride where your portfolio automatically returns 10% a year. There's going to be bumps Mm -hmm. in the road and... You know, at times it's going to feel like riding a roller coaster, I think, with those ups and downs. But I think the key takeaway is if your portfolio is properly aligned with your goals, then I, I think the way to react to these market drops is to, you know, tune them out and just stick with your plan. So I guess that is a really good segue to my next question, which is what's included in a solid investment plan? And are you saying that just basically keep doing what you're doing. So if you've been making contributions to your 401k or you plan on fully contributing to your IRA, just keep planning for that. Yeah. So I always say that to 
look to what you can control to figure out what the right investment mix is. And so instead of taking a reactive approach to thinking, what should I do with my portfolio based on what's happening in the market? Start with yourself and figure out, you know, what are the goals that you want to achieve? How much do they cost in total? What does that mean in terms of how much you have to save per month? And when do you actually want to achieve those goals? And so I think the the first thing to figure out is, you know, it might be a good time to revisit your investment portfolio and make sure what you're invested in, that percentage of stocks and bonds is aligned with what you're investing for and when you want to achieve those goals. And so you might think about goals as either short-term, medium-term, or long-term. Short-term goals, I'd, I'd think anything less than five years. Medium-term goals, maybe those goals between five and 15 years. And then I'd consider anything long-term as more than 15 years away. And so the way that I break it down for, for my clients is those short-term goals, anything that's less than five years, typically I, I recommend putting that money in predominantly cash. And then for medium-term goals, it's going to be some mix of stocks and bonds depending on your situation and your preferences. And then for those longer term goals, those 15 plus years away, that will probably be predominantly invested in stocks. Okay. And you can find out like for, I'm thinking of people who are listening to this, who maybe for their retirement, the only, and I don't mean it like that, like the only, but the only thing they have is their 401k. You can log in to your company 401k and find out where those 401ks are being invested. Cause the whole idea with the 401k, which is why it's so important that people actually take full advantage of these at the companies is that they're kind of doing the work for you. Right. Totally. Yeah. So you can definitely, there should be some employee portal where you can log in, see how much you've invested for the year, what that, what the money is invested in. And then I think it's also good to kind of audit how much you're paying to invest. And that's usually called the expense ratio. There's some, well, hopefully it's a small percentage that's being taken off of your investments per year. I always say when people and very few people, people come to me for money advice, but when they do, my first advice is always, does your company offer 401k and are you contributing to it? Because it's like, that is, I feel like step one after you've done the emergency fund, taking the account into like your high interest debt and that kind of stuff. And I know that when it comes to retirement goals, you just talked about kind of laying it out. Is there, is there a way to easily determine your retirement goals? I mean, do you just pick a year and say, okay, I'd like to retire at 65 or how, how do people think about those goals? Yeah, I'll I'll tackle that from a, a couple of different ways. You know, when I first started working out of college, I also was like, what the heck is this saving for retirement thing? How much do I have to save and where do I put my money? And I'd asked a couple of different colleagues and no one could really tell me. And so that's where I think the the 4% rule is helpful. This rule basically says to be able to fund a 30-year retirement, you know, take your annual living expenses and, and multiply it by 25. Is it precise? Is it accurate? Probably not, but it gives you a ballpark number of how much do I have to accumulate to be able to fund what we call, you know, this ambiguous goal of retirement. So I think in terms of putting that into practice into your 401k, once you kind of have it the context of how much, yeah, I think target date funds are a great way to get started with investing, particularly in your 401k and choosing fund that is close to when you would retire. I think that's a great start. And the, and the good thing about 401k is whether you're doing 
you're investing in a pre-tax or Roth basis is, you know, if you change your mind and the target date fund 2050 wasn't the right fund, you think it should be 2060. Well, there's no immediate tax implications if you swap out of the 2050 for the 2060. So I, I think that's a great thing. And then the other thing is that these target date funds usually have the kind of mix of stocks and bonds that you might want if you're retiring in 2050. And then as you get closer to that date, the fund takes care of the heavy lifting for you to gradually decrease the percentage of stocks in favor of more bonds. We've all had a couple of years to adjust the idea of a work life outside of the office. But have we figured it out? As the host of a career-centric podcast, I'd like to recommend another new podcast all about the new world of work, Introducing Remotely Curious, a new podcast from Dropbox that asks all of the questions about hybrid, remote, or as they call it, virtual first work. Join host Tiffany Jones-Brown as she takes on the biggest challenges of this new working reality with the help of experts, psychologists, scientists, authors, and more. You'll hear from a manners expert about the nuances of remote work etiquette and a friendship scientist about how to stay connected to your besties at work, even when you are apart. Tiffany even explores the tricky topics like how to manage Zoom dysmorphia and how to handle workplace inequalities. Whether you're working from home or you're commuting to the office twice a week, or if you're just remotely curious, this podcast is for you. Listen and follow Remotely Curious wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now back to the show. Put yourself in your employee's shoes. Are their benefits simple and clear? Can they find their pay stubs easily? A lot of companies' payroll benefits and HR platforms are outdated and confusing. Level up your organization and keep your employees happy with Gusto. Gusto offers all-in-one payroll and HR for growing businesses. From full-service payroll and benefits to team management tools and more, Gusto makes it easy to support your hardworking team in one intuitive platform. And Gusto is loved by both businesses and employees. For businesses, having everything in one place is a game changer. No more jumping from application to application. With Gusto, more customers are able to run payroll in 10 minutes or less. And Gusto helps with the hard stuff too. Things like filing payroll taxes, compliance, new state tax registration, and international contractor payments in 90 countries and counting. Employees love that Gusto's interface is modern, fresh, and extremely intuitive. And what I personally love about the interface is how organized everything is. As a business owner myself, I can't stress enough how important it is to have an easy-to-use and organized payroll and HR platform. Whether your team is in-person, remote, or a combination of the two, Gusto easily keeps your team on track. Join the more than 200,000 new and growing businesses that are using Gusto to build a great workplace for their employees. Right now, Gusto is offering our listeners three months free at gusto.com backslash Contessa. That's free, you guys. That's amazing. Get easy payroll benefits, HR, and a happier team. So go to gusto.com slash Contessa for your first three months free. That's gusto.com slash Contessa. All right, now let's get back to the show. 
This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. And if you work for an employer and they don't offer a 401k, what are your other quote unquote retirement plan options? And then we'll get into your tips about protecting our money. Yeah. So you can put money into a traditional IRA or Roth IRA outside of your employer plan. And then you have, you know, you can contribute to a taxable brokerage account as well. Okay. That's what I, and for anyone who's listened to this show before, we've covered some of these things. You can always go back to past money episodes and I'll link to some of them in the show notes, but you can do all three of these things. You can do one of these things. The idea is to just come up with a plan. If you need to work with an expert, you have that. But you know, a lot of times I feel like people, they're not even sure what their employer is offering. And so I always like to start with the 401k. So, okay. Up next, you're going to share four things to do right now to protect your money. So what is the first thing people should be thinking about when it comes to protecting their money against all this uncertainty? Yeah, I think it's what we talked about before and revisiting your investment portfolio and making sure that what you're invested in aligns with what you're investing for and when you want to achieve those goals. So for those long-term goals, maybe you're predominantly invested in stocks. For those medium-term goals, invest in some mix of stocks and bonds. And then for any of those short-term goals less than five years away, probably predominantly in cash. So that's like the emergency fund or something like that. That could be the emergency fund, but even for those that want to buy a house in the next couple of years, two to three years. And oftentimes this is a discussion with a lot of clients. They say, well, that's a lot of cash drag. Like I'm not making any money for two, three, four years. And, And then we talk about you know, how important that timetable is. Do you, do you need to buy the house in three years or do you just want to? And, you know, there is some flexibility and, and really it's kind of trying to get a sense of, would they be more mad if they miss out on potential returns or would they be more mad if three years down the line, they didn't have enough money to be able to put down the down payment? Because as we talked about, you know, the market sometimes is down 40%. So if your down payment is down 40% because you wanted to, to maybe gain 10%, that might be the difference between you being able to buy the house in three years or not. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, next tip for protecting our money right now. You know, I think tip number two would be to stay the road. You know, if nothing has changed with your job or financial situation, I'd recommend staying the road in terms of investing. You know, keep contributing mm-hmm. to your 401k, and take advantage of these lower prices right now in the market. And then, you know, if there's extra cash available, it may also make sense to further shore up your emergency fund. Yeah, I think that's what people, you know, there's a, a, a so much talk about layoffs out there and I think it makes everyone very nervous. And so I can understand someone listening to this and saying, I have a little extra cash. I recognize that there's this like, quote unquote, the stock market is on sale. I could put money there. But I'm nervous because if I lose my job, I can't, it's not as easy to get that out. I have to pay, you know, whatever. You know, I think the other message that we want people to hear is that it's okay to hold on to your cash and just shore up your emergency fund. Cause sometimes I feel like there's this advice of like having extra cash is so stupid. Like, oh, you're just putting it in a savings account. And you're like, 
well, what else should I be doing? And, but I mean, there are high yield interest savings accounts and things like that too, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, there is the mathematically optimal solution, which might be, oh, you know, why are you putting this in the checking account? But I think there's also what is the right solution for you. And it kind of goes back to what will give you peace of mind or allow you to sleep yeah. at night. Yeah. As I say, what helps you sleep at night, knowing that you have six months of expenses in an emergency fund, maybe not earning as much of a return or whatever, but fine. I, I can, I can access that when I need it. I think that's a really good advice. And what about tip number three? Tip number three, I would say might be a good time to audit your expenses, especially with the prices of a lot of things continuing to increase. Your financial situation might have changed a little bit, just not not something that you influence. So yeah, I'd take a look back at your monthly expenses for the last several months and I'd look at how much you spend in total and in what categories. And then I'd recommend bucketing those expenses into need-to-haves versus nice-to-haves and seeing if you can chip away either lowering or eliminating temporarily some of those nice-to-haves and even seeing if you could chip away at some of those need-to-have expenses. Mm -hmm. It's incredible how even when you're trying not to spend money, it's like because of how expensive everything is. I like we, I I went somewhere the other day and I had to get gas. So of course it was like a hundred bucks to fill up my car before I even got to the destination. And it, it was like for my birthday. So it was, it was already like I had narrowed it down to like, this isn't just like a random thing. And I was just laughing because before I even got to the place to have lunch, I was like, this has been like a $200 a day <laughs> and I'm trying not to spend money. And so I just like, I totally hear you on that. And it's so funny because even when you are actively trying, it's like, that's just where we're at right now, where everything is so expensive. The trip to the grocery store is more expensive and we're so keenly aware of that. And so, yes, it's like maybe take the trip to the beach that you can drive to versus flying to one or something. I don't know which is also kind of a bummer because I know so many people were on lockdown for COVID that this is like maybe the first summer in a few years, they feel like they can go anywhere. So of course the timing just really isn't working out for all of us. Yeah. And I think there's a balance. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying like deprive yourself. I just saying that the, the level of prices of a lot of things have changed might make sense to just do a check-in with yourself to make sure that the budget that you made for yourself or, or had in mind is, you know, still works out right now. And if not, sometimes you can make some small changes like, you know, do you really need five or six different streaming services and cable? Could you temporarily pause some of those? Could you, you know, I think some quick wins would be that and then eliminating some unused subscriptions, maybe trying to negotiate your internet and phone bill. Usually you can do that through the check function and then just eliminating unnecessary fees. Yeah. And someone that we just had on the podcast, she talked about bundling insurance, like calling your mm. insurance companies and seeing, Hey, can I bundle something? You know, I know for everyone listening, they're like, Oh, I don't need one more thing on my to-do list, but look at your expenses, start with the big ticket items. Cause those will make the biggest impact and just see, you know, you'd be shocked at what a phone call does to these companies and, and what they might offer. Also, just a hot tip for everyone. I was trying to unsubscribe from a couple of the companies I sign up for streaming. And the minute you say you're going to go, instead of charging you $15 a month, they're like, 
will keep you. Will you do it at $5 a month? So just pretend you're going to cancel too. I did it with, I did it. I'll, I'll name them. I did it with stars and I went from paying $8 a month. Cause I was watching, I forget what show I was watching on there. And now it's 99 cents for the next three months. So like, I didn't even have to get rid of it. I just had to threaten and they already gave me a good deal. <laughs> so that's awesome. try that, you know, a couple other things. So yeah, that's, that's my little hack. Okay. And then your last tip on how we can protect our money right now. Tip number four. Yeah. Tip number four would be part money, but part really like career management. So I think do things to make sure that you're on solid footing with your career, your main source of income, make sure you're performing well. And, you know, maybe if, if you're not, it might be the right time to kind of turn up the effort. And then I think if, if you have extra time, it might make sense to just polish up that resume, update your LinkedIn and just, I would say, reconnect with, reconnect with your network. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I would, I'm almost a little nervous too, for people who are applying for jobs because we've heard about rescinded offers. We're hearing about hiring freezes. And I guess, and this is just kind of, I guess, from your personal opinion, if someone were to offer you a new job right now, would you be a little bit more hesitant, especially if you didn't hate where you were at, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I I, I think you, you do have to kind of think about that risk as well, because I guess they could rescind it up until your start date. So, or, or you might just even maybe like five years ago, you might've had a gap between, cause you'd give like a month or two months and say, oh, I want to have some, have some downtime between jobs. I, I feel like if I was reconsidering a, a new job now, I might kind of compress that time just to make <laughs> yeah. super sure that, you know, any new job I was taking, it, it was kind of a sure thing. Yeah. I think this kind of reminds me of like the early days of COVID where the advice we were giving people is like, go into your manager and find out what is the most important thing to you right now and make sure that you are contributing and the stuff that you're doing is related to what's important to them. And I feel like we, we're, we, we've kind of gone full circle. We're sort of back to that stage career-wise where it's like, there's a lot of unknown. There's a recession slash are we or aren't we in a recession? You know, obviously there's that. And so it's like, you want to at least be <laughs> the last name on the layoff list if, if they start yeah. making that list. And these are some of the scary things to do. But also the thing that we didn't have at the beginning of COVID is we were coming off of this like really incredible time to be applying for jobs. And it felt like you could like sneeze and get a job, you know? And so I think a lot of that is pulling back. And so it's just not to scare people, but just to be really thoughtful and to recognize sort of when you're interviewing to ask really good questions about, especially if you're going to a company about their funding, you know, like how are they funded? How long do they have funding for? And I I do think this is shedding a light on that for people. And they're going to be asking maybe some different interview questions as well when it comes, if they're interviewing for a new job, but slash maybe more people are going to be talking to their manager about getting really clear on like, Hey, what matters here? I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing the stuff that matters, which is not, not a bad thing necessarily. Right? No, 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 it's not. I think that's great advice. Well, so these are just four ways that you guys can protect your money right now. Roger, thank you so much for helping us, especially, as you said, navigate a lot of this uncertainty. And I think also just paint a clear picture of like, look, for many people, the last 10 years have been incredible. And like, this isn't necessarily the all panic and gloom and doom. This is sort of a natural thing. And and if you can, as much as possible, like keep keep investing or keep the money going into your financial plan as is. It's never a bad idea to check in with stuff, whether it's your career or your money or your expenses, your debt, that kind of stuff, right? 
Yeah, no, that sounds great. And uh, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review our show. I also will include some links to not only Roger's book, but also some past money episodes about investing, how to build up your portfolio. So you can check those out in the show notes as well. 